When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, I'm McCoy here, and you are listening to the Solar Panel, the Phoenix Sun Show. Good morning, folks. Thank you for joining us on a Saturday morning edition of the Sun's Solar Panel. Our panel today has a special guest, uh, as he just tweeted out for the masses, uh, for everybody who follows him. We get a whole hour to give him crap for his take on, on one Devin Booker the other night. Uh, but we'll also talk about other things besides that one take. Uh, uh, Richard has been a closet Suns fan for years. In fact, let us, let's see your, let's see your uh, shirt there a little bit closer. There yeah, you go. Yeah, see, he's is, even uh, got the Phoenix center who killed the Mavs in the first two games <laughs> in the first two. Exactly. Uh, Richard Stamen, thank you for joining us today. Hey, thank you guys for having me. It's uh, it's always fun. I, I know Brandon and I, during the very beginning of the pandemic, we uh, we did some podcasts about the draft, but touched on the Suns, but it's nice to fully do a Suns podcast. Thank you guys for having me. Oh, absolutely. And my regular partner, Brandon Zona, how's it going, man? Pretty good. Uh, trying my best not to, to let this game seven on Sunday affect my entire weekend, but uh yeah, other than that, it's impossible have, to have it not affect your entire week. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, other than that, doing great. Uh, good to have Mavs draft, aka Suns draft, on. Um, like you said, we've, we've done pods in the past, but it's been overdue to have him on the show. Um, you know, what better time than Game Seven when both fan bases by now just kind of hate each other? <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's 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 been a battle. That's right. You see, uh, we're going to have a predisposition to thinking, oh, man, this guy's going to be a total, total Mavs homer. He's going to say how great the Mavs are. He's going to say the L word a lot today. And really, he's a closet. He's a closet Suns fan. Uh, And so we're going to hopefully, you know, all of us together, we'll hopefully give you some balanced takes that are um, are going to get you set for game seven, whatever happens. Um, I am Dave King. You can find me at Dave King NBA on Twitter. And obviously you can find my writing at brightsideofthesun.com. We, this is our panel today. We got um, Mavs draft, we got Zona and we got myself and we are going to get you caught up. First of all, we haven't podcasted since last Saturday, last Saturday, a few things have happened uh, since last Saturday. The, the Suns have played a few games we thought they might close out the series by this Saturday and we'd be doing a preview of the Western Conference Finals, but that's not quite the case because the Suns really wanted to have a Game 7 because the way they played Game 6 told us that they really wanted to have a Game 7. That's the only takeaway I can have from that game on how the Suns played because that was about the worst I've seen them uh, play as far as attention to detail, executing game plans and all that. Um Zona, what do you think on, on, on game six? Game six, the Suns lost by a gob ton after winning game five by a gob ton. Uh, and game six, they were in Dallas. 
it looks like the Suns couldn't do anything right. Uh, night, uh, two days after, it looked like they did everything right. So what's your take on on Game 5, Suns blowout, Game 6, Mavs blowout, Brandon? Uh, it just seems like these two teams really feed off their crowd. It seems like the role players step up um, when they're home. And, you know, on the road, both teams have been kind of rattled a little bit and not had any answers for the other team. So uh, it's just been a really odd series because after Game 5, I think a lot of Suns fans – gain that confidence back um, after dropping those those two games in a row. And then uh, you see Dallas do that to Phoenix. And then all of a sudden, you know, they, it looks like they have their confidence back. So uh, just kind of been a seesaw battle. I I think Dallas has proved me wrong. I, I had Suns in five. I thought this was going to be an easy mm-hmm. series, but it's it's been a dogfight. So I think it's a credit to the role players stepping up. Uh, Jason Kidd's done a great job game planning against the Suns. So – um, overall, just really impressed with Dallas, but Phoenix has definitely not played to the level we're accustomed to, and a lot of that has to do with how Dallas has kind of attacked them. Richard, what's your t- well? First of all, tell us how you went into this series. How did you think it was going to go coming into this series? Then, what about that has changed in the first six games? Look, I can't please everybody, and uh, so now I'm going to please the Suns fans. Like I, I pissed them off yesterday, so I'm going to I'm going to make the Mavs fans a little bit mad. I had Suns in five. I thought the Mavs stole one game at home, uh, at best, because just the team is a lot better with Luca and all that stuff. And I expected Spencer Dinwiddie to be better. I never expected this to go to seven games, but you know, there's been just some surprising elements to this series, especially in Game Six. You look at how they trapped uh, Devin Booker, for example and how they force so many turnovers and just the, the extremes of role players play better at home. We have seen the absolute extreme of that statement. And that's been a huge part of the series. That has been a huge part of the series. It's, it's just crazy. Um, and uh, for those Suns fans who have been in a closet and haven't watched every second of every game and agonized over it, over it and lost sleep over it. Uh, but you happen to be on this YouTube channel right now. More power to you. Um, The Suns and Mavericks are tied at three games apiece going into game seven. Each team has one at home and uh, all three of their home games. And the Suns, because they had the better record during the year, have earned the right to have game seven at home. Now, that doesn't guarantee that home team wins every time. And we'll talk about that, especially Chris Paul's history with game sevens. Uh, But it does... It does show that the home court has a huge is a huge difference maker for this team. Now the Suns, uh, to their uh, it, this isn't the regular season anymore. The Suns were great at home during the regular season, and they were great on the road during the regular season. They had the best road record and home record in the league at both numbers being thirty-two and nine. But <clears throat> winning on the road in the playoffs is different, um, and I feel a lot of that has to do with the craziness of the fans in the arenas and for some of these players it's the first time they've been not the, not most of the suns because they had last year playoffs but um somewhat for the suns because last year uh, a lot of the arenas were limited capacity and especially the lakers and um the clippers series the the arenas were limited capacity and this year they're full capacity so it, you could say that um some of the suns are experiencing this uh, for the first time, but I, um, it's really more the D- Dallas Mavericks are for sure. Uh, they hadn't uh, gotten past the first round of last year's playoffs and uh, have not experienced uh, a road crowd like they did. 
am I getting it wrong, do, Richard? Do you think that the crowds have actual impact on how the teams play, even the stars? You know, sometimes I, I most times I actually don't think that stuff matters because I'm like, well, they're NBA players. You know, they've been through everything like this at this point, especially for guys who are on their second contract. They know what they've been through. And for teams like the Suns who just went to the finals, I would think no. But you bring up a good point with Dallas. This is their first time being in the second round since they won the finals in 2011. Like it's been a really long time. People are hungry. The atmosphere has been incredible. I think since Luca was 10 years old. And, yeah, it, it's yeah. ridiculous how long people have waited. And I think the first round stuff, when, when Utah was here, I don't know. The, the crowd was good. It wasn't anything special. But here it's just been like, it's been incredibly rowdy. And I think maybe after the pandemic with the bubble, they went from a playoffs, uh, you know, just NBA players went from a playoff or just near play in pretty much to with no fans to this. It, mm. it may still be an adjustment curve even two years later. Yeah. Uh, Zona, what do you think about the crowd's impact on on how well the players do? Yeah, I, I agree with uh, what Richard just said. I think, and I do think this year, like in the playoffs, we've seen how crowds have impacted, um, you know, the Grizzlies game, like the, the other night when they pounded Golden State. Like it just seems like the players are feeding more off crowds than usual. And I think a lot of that does have to do with the going through COVID and, you know, having the limited seating and, you know, no fans for a stretch uh, during the regular season. So um, I think it just really just builds players' confidence and it turns role players into stars as we've seen throughout the, the season. So, um, yeah, I think crowds are playing a factor more than usual this season. Yeah, the, the, the players obviously deny it, right? Uh, especially if it, if it impacts them in a negative way. The players would be the first ones to deny that the crowd had any impact. However, especially Suns, because I, I watch all the post-gamers and all that stuff, and I'm, I'm in uh, the home game ones. Um, the players always also give credit to the fans for hyping them up after a good win when the fans were in. So obviously the players hear it. They just do. And I got to tell you, and – Look, I'm not trying to give extra credit to Dallas fans or anything like that because I, I think they're uh, after last Sunday and, and putting hands, unwanted hugs on Chris Paul's family, which is effing bullshit. Um, I don't want to give them too much credit, but they were loud as hell. Even even during like slow periods of the game, there was still a buzz. And I think that did have a positive impact, at least on the Dallas players, if not a negative impact on some of the Suns players as well. So coming home, I do think the home crowd, all I want to do is let's wrap this up on the, on the crowds because they only make so much of a difference, but I do think Sunday, it's very important that the Suns are the team playing at home on Sunday. And that's, that's going to be really helpful. Um, some other things that happened in the game. And again, this, this is just related to role players playing better at home, all this, the Mavs shot 16 of 39 from three, the Suns shot only six of 18 from three. Um, Zona would think the uh, the I don't think the Dallas defense was any tighter than the Suns defense on the three point line. I think the Suns were just much more willing to run themselves off the line. Do you agree with that, or do you think Dallas was making it much harder for the Suns on threes? Uh, a little bit of both. I think just from a confidence perspective, perspective too. Like a lot of players that you know would normally take threes, kind of uh, hesitated or you know settled for a drive or just turn the ball over. I mean, they had 22 turnovers, so it was a really ugly offensive showing. And um, it seemed like there's a stretch where they're going to get it to together and it just kind of never actually clicked. So 
Uh, just overall, just a really rough offensive night. I think Dallas did a good job of playing into that and really forcing, you know, Chris Paul to try to be a scorer um, by taking the ball out of Booker's hands and, and no one else really stepped up. So I think uh, that's my biggest worry heading into this game seven is who who's going to step up offensively um, if Chris Paul's not Chris Paul, which he hasn't been uh, the last three games, frankly. So, um, yeah, it's I think credit to, to Dallas and also um, the Suns have some things to figure out for sure. Yeah, and I think for with the three-point numbers, they took 17, uh, maybe it was 16, non-garbage time three. So that number goes even de- further down as you look at the details of the game. And I think it was just kind of as I talked about with the extremes of some things like role players playing better at home. And just this is almost a series of extremes where Dallas is like, take as many twos as you would like because that is that is easy. You know, maybe they'll miss some bunnies and it's been happening. And in this NBA, maybe they're playing to the analytics of a threes are really what kills you unless you're hitting those twos at such a high rate. And Dallas knows that they can trap and play the passing lanes and things like that in the two point line. I think that's kind of what did it. I don't think I agree with you, Brandon. I don't think the the perimeter defense was really strong by Dallas in terms of shot contests and stuff. It was good in terms of forcing turnovers, but the perimeter defense wasn't anything special. I don't think that's why they shot so few threes. Okay, so now I'm gonna I'm gonna lay a little bit of numbers on you that I don't think I've, I've seen anyone else talk about specifically. Dang, stop me! And I gotta pump myself up a little bit. It's bad. Um, okay, <laughs> so uh, there's been a lot made of the fact that throughout the entire series, the Mavericks have taken a lot more threes than the Suns in games. The Mavericks are averaging 43s in a game. Suns are averaging 26. That's a huge disparity. So how is it even possible that the Suns have outscored the Mavs in the series overall, because they have, by about two points per game on average? Of course, it's three wins, three losses, all that. It's kind of throwaway. But how are the Suns making up the difference? Zach Lowe constantly talks about how he doesn't understand how the Suns' offense is so good when they do nothing analytically. Like uh, they're, they're the opposite of the Houston Rockets from a few years ago, uh, which Chris Paul was also on, where all the all the shots need to be either at, either at the rim or behind the three-point line or free throws because those are the most efficient. So how is it possible the Suns are one of the top offenses in the league, which is effectively the third-best offense this year before they shut down um, all their starters for two weeks? Um, what's, what's interesting here is that even in this series with the Mavericks shooting 14 more threes per game, the Suns are still scoring better overall because they're taking, they're making more field goals overall in a game than the Mavericks are because the Suns are taking shots that they're good at making. Um, Dallas has a couple more free throws per game going in. The Dallas has a plus four on three pointers made per game going in. But all that's getting offset by the fact that the Suns are scoring better. So all this talk about the Suns' offense not being efficient because they're taking twos instead of threes, it's just not true if you're good at taking the twos. Now, if you suck at taking the twos, then obviously that's going to be a problem. But um, what happened in the in the Suns' losses is that they forgot how to make their twos as well. They didn't make the shots that they were taking, that they, the shots that they had built their offense around, which most defenses give up. Now, in the playoffs it gets harder to get your favorite shots in the playoffs because teams focus on that. If you look at 
Booker and Chris Paul driving into that free throw line area where they usually get their shots, there's two or three Dallas defenders ready for them right there with their hands up and stopping the Suns from taking their shots. But also, um, the Suns aren't setting the right picks. They're not setting the, the screens in the right directions and all that. So they're not really focusing on getting Chris Paul open. For example, Chris Paul was being guarded well and stopped well for a period of time against the Pelicans. And all of a sudden, when Chris Paul really wanted to get his shots, he got them. So part of it is execution on the Suns' side. But I just wanted to point out to you guys that um, the fact that the Mavericks shoot a lot more threes than the Suns does not mean the Mavericks are a better offense than the Suns. It just means that that's how they're getting their points. Um, and and I just want to kind of respond because Zach Lowe is always especially even just going, I don't understand. Well, if you make more more overall field goals than the other team, you're going to win more games. That's the answer. Uh, so that's my my little takeaway on the threes. So I'm not as worried about the Suns making up much of the difference on the threes, but a difference of 22 attempts, a difference of 10 makes or so, that's a problem. Uh, and not making the twos you're supposed to make is potentially a problem. Uh, the other thing I wanted to point out is that the Mavericks and the Suns were both this year uh, pretty good on reducing, keeping low turnovers per game, except the Suns, have suddenly become into a high, turned into over the course of the entire six games so far, have turned into one of the, one of the most, one of the worst in the playoffs at turning the ball over against the Mavericks. And game six was only one example with 22. They're averaging 16 a game when they went in the, in the season, averaging less than 13. So um, overall for the entire series, as, as, uh, as Mavs draft, as Richard has said, the Mavericks are getting into passing lanes and they're being aggressive. On the flip side, the Suns have suddenly forgotten how to get steals. <laughs> they were sixth in the NBA out of 30 teams in getting steals this year. Against the Mavericks, they're the worst of the whole second round in getting steals. The Mavericks are good at not turning the ball over, but um, the, the the still the Suns are not getting into the passing lanes and not being opportunistic. We're all going to remember game five, second half, because that's when the Suns started getting steals all of a sudden. Imagine if that second half didn't happen. The Suns would be even worse in this in this stat. So the Suns need to hold on to the ball and they need to get it from the Mavericks a little bit more on the on the defensive end and start getting in their correct angles and their correct passing lanes. Hey, let's just take a minute to talk about our friends at DraftKings. Man, this NBA playoff action is awesome and it's nonstop at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets if you do. And one of the most fun things that people do game by game is doing their own parlay. You can combine multiple bets into one, like which team will win, how many total threes will be made, who hits the first three, who scores the first bucket, etc., etc. And boom, the more you parlay, the, more pay, the bigger the payout you get. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. That's TBPN. Bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if you do. That's promo code TBPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. So that's kind of what's gone on in the first six games. The Suns are turning it over. They're not getting enough steals and open court chances. And uh, when they lose, they're not making the field goals they're taking. Part of it is the Mavericks defense, and part of it is the Suns. But 
Uh, while I brought up the three-point differential, that's not really the decider. So that's my little rant on how the first six games have gone. Uh, do you have any more uh, comments, Brandon or Richard, on the first six games, or do you want to move into Game 7 predictions? Uh, yeah, I think just uh, overall Brunson and, and Luca outplayed Paul and Booker last game, and I think, uh, you know, Game 7 at home, like we'll talk about it a little bit later, but this is where, you know, you could build a legacy in either a good way or a bad way. So I think we're going to see – uh, all the stars on on each team step up, and it's it's just kind of uh, taking care of the ball, little things like you mentioned, like the turnover difference, twenty two to six, like that just can't. You're not going to win game, or yeah, twenty two to six. You're not going to win games when that happens. So um, I, they just need to clean up the little things and just look more locked in and and confident because the, they just didn't look confident in Dallas at all, and that you know that shows. Yeah, and and adding on to that with the turnovers. Uh, Dallas, I mean, Luca alone only had one turnover in game six and I don't know how repeatable something like that is. So that's <laughs> something to look for just because, I mean, look, I, I love Luca and I know you said not to say the L word, which took me like 30 seconds. To no, get. you can, you can. I was just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he, uh, you know, he's a, he gets a lot of turnovers. Like he, he makes stupid decisions at times because he knows he's a very good passer and he thinks he can get away with stuff he can't get away with. So I'm interested to see how that happened. That works. And then also just kind of the counter um with all the length that the Mavs put on Devin Booker and Chris Paul forcing the negative assist to turnover ratios really interested to see how that those adjustments are made by both sides all right so uh going before we move on to pre previewing game seven Jay Jimenez keeps asking me this question and I gave the answer I gave my own answer on this question um and I want to hear you guys' answer Looking at the series, and, and don't look into Jay's favorite team or anything like that, but looking into this series um, again and going back to the Pelicans series, which admittedly, Richard, you didn't follow as closely as we did, um, would you rather, if you're a Suns team, would you rather face the Pelicans in a Game 7? We'll put it into Game 7 terms. Or would you rather face Dallas in a Game 7? Uh, Zona, you go first. Um, I'd probably... For Game Seven, I'd change my answer. I think just because uh, I think Luca's a much better player than anyone on the Pelicans. And Game Sevens, it comes down to you know who the best player on the court is sometimes. So for that reason, I'd say I'd, I'd rather face the Pels, even though I think uh, I still think the Pels are a worse matchup for the Suns, just in terms of you know the offensive rebounds and uh, you know Ingram and, and McCollum is just. Uh, had an off series, so we got kind of lucky there. But typically, he torches the Suns. So, um, you know, both teams tough matchups, but I think I'd, I'd lean uh, Pels on that one. Man, I actually think I'd say the Mavs for y'all. I know I didn't get to watch the Pelican series as closely as I would have liked, but uh, I think you know things like Valanciunas versus Aiden. I think actually favor the Pelicans more than something like Kleba versus Aiden does. And I think you're going to see a lot of that in game seven. So I, I don't know the Mavs. I, I just have low expectations going into tomorrow. Do you? Yeah. We'll get into our predictions and, and previewing and adjustments and stuff like that in a sec, but that, yeah. Okay. You guys takes are basically my take in a whole series. I'd much rather face my, in my opinion, my whole series. I'd rather face Dallas, Dallas. I don't know how they got to a game seven either, uh, but good on them for doing it. I mean, some of that, 
it's questionable about how that last weekend went. And some of that was um, Chris Paul helping them uh, win a couple of games. But really, I'm, I'm surprised. Whereas the Pelicans, I also expected a, an easy series. And it turned out to be one of the worst for the Suns. And I got to tell you guys, I'm so happy that the Grizzlies were knocked out of the playoffs because my other hot take is I'd much rather face the Warriors in the Western Conference Finals if I'm either Dallas or uh, Memphis, uh, just because, uh, especially for the Suns, the the Grizzlies are a supersized Pelicans and uh, super talented version of the Pelicans, whereas the uh, the Warriors are are a little bit more easier to match up with, I think. But that's a different different topic. Um, Suns have to get through a Game Seven first for it to even matter. So is, is that even with uh, Morant out? Or does that yeah, change? because the Grizzlies were like twenty and five without Morant, <laughs> and they beat the Warriors by they were leading by a playoff record 55 points in the third quarter against this vaunted um, uh, now championship talented apparently Warriors playoff record 55 point lead without John Moran. So I am not excited about playing the Grizzlies in any capacity. Um, uh, And so if I had to pick, but anyway, that's, that's making assumptions. Suns may not be worried about the Western Conference Finals. They got to win Game 7. So let's use that to move into Game 7. So we've seen all these weird, wild adjustments, right? So in Game 2, the Suns embarrassed the Mavs by uh, targeting Luka on defense. And it looked like, oh my God, the Mavs are not going to have any answer for this. It could be a sweep. Then in Game 3, um, I didn't get to watch it because I was doing family stuff. So I... I, I my whole takeaway from that was the Sens forgot how to play basketball and the Mavericks started targeting Chris Paul more often defensively and offensively and in games three and four, they figured out how to neutralize Chris Paul. Uh, and um, suddenly the, the, they also made some adjustments defensively to get Luca out of harm's way as much when the screening action happened to where the Suns were trying to uh, manipulate defenses to get, to get Luca on an Island. Uh, Richard, what did you see about the adjustments that just going from games three to four on, on what, and, and that has stayed through to now, what adjustments have the Dallas Mavericks made to make it so that Luca is not embarrassed anymore on defense? Yeah, they started making him play the passing lanes more than they tried taking him as far away off ball. I mean, they're doing their effort to hide him, uh, because I don't think it's any secret. Luca has been terrible on defense for the most part of this series, especially when you look at on ball. Um, you know, I think, I think the Mavs knew how to hide him a little bit and they're making him an interceptor. You saw it a lot in game six, but they started that pretty much once they returned home. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that stayed, the Mavericks have figured out how to, um, at least protect Luca a little bit more defensively while on the other end, the Mavericks have figured out that it's quite okay for Luca to have Chris Paul on his hip. And it's quite okay for Luca to have most of the Suns defenders that are not named Mikel Bridges on his hip. Um, he just get he just figures out how to overpower and move past these guys. So uh, credit to the Mavericks. What can the Suns do in Game Seven to get that back to their comfort level where they can put Luca back on an island and at the same time protect Chris Paul? Zona, do you have thoughts about how the Suns can reverse this trend? I think you just got to wear him down, um, pick him up full court, uh, t- try to target him defensively, make him as involved in the game as you can on on both ends, and uh, just wear him down. Like we saw, uh, I can't remember which game it was. I think 
I want to say it was game two. Um, basically when they're just targeting the entire second half and he just ran out of gas and the sun's pulled away um, because there's only so much you can do as it was one player on, on both ends. And um, the sun's kind of, it, it seems like they try to um, go out of the way a little bit too much to hunt him to the point to where their, their offense took a hit. So I think you have to do it in a natural way where you're not forcing it, but um, at the same time, you have to try to your best to make him work. And if that means like, you know, if say he's guarding Mikel, just send Mikel in a, a ton of cuts and just throw him around screens and just have uh, Luca chase him around the court, and then th- that's fine. It doesn't have to be on ball like all the time. Just just make him work and try to exhaust him. And that, I think that's your best bet. Richard, what do you think the Suns should do? Yeah, I completely echo that. The Jazz tried doing that when Luca returned, when he was still playing a little bit hurt in game, I think it was game five. Uh, or maybe it was game four. No, it was game four in Utah. And Boyan Bogdanovich, just he let him – he was giving him hell. Like, there's no nice way to put it. Like, he was just full court the entire game. Granted, it wore down what Bogdanovich on offense, but the Suns have way more depth and are just significantly better than the Jazz. I think something everybody on the planet, and especially in, in Arizona, would agree with, that Phoenix can afford to do that. They can put somebody like Mikhail Bridges, who has been – somewhat low usage on offense. It was a lot in game six of low usage where you can afford to kind of wear him down and see very little offensive repercussions from it. And Utah didn't have that benefit. So if Phoenix does that, that really gets under Luca's skin. I think that's a big thing they could do to, to take away Luca's just overall offensive strength. Yeah. My, uh, my thing is uh, do it timely, right? Like don't do it all. I, I think what happened to the Suns a little bit too much is that they went, they have gone matchup hunting way too often and too early in the game, and they've forgotten how to play their game of basketball, which is not to be so matchup dependent until you get into like crunch time, like fourth quarter or something like that. Um, I would actually stop trying so hard to put Luca on an island the first two or three quarters, beat him up other ways, right? Like you, like you were saying, Richard, you know, pick him up full court with a with a big defender and make him. Uh, work harder on offense than he than he has been, and then also, um, uh, you know, just put some screens on him uh, during on defense when he's on defense. But don't necessarily try to put him on an island constantly because that just ruins the entire offense. So maybe wait till the fourth quarter, kind of like the way Game Two went. They didn't do it until the fourth quarter, and then all of a sudden Luca was gassed, and then he stopped trying. Um, I, I think the Suns can be smarter, and they just need to be smarter, and 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 they can. They can turn that part of it around. Um, Zona, what other uh, what other adjustments do you think the Suns need to make in Game Seven to have a better outcome? I think it comes down to ball movement. Just you know, when the Suns are moving the ball, uh, you know, they're they're everyone in the offense eats. Uh, they get clicking. The crowd gets into it. Um, they play more confident. So uh, I think in just getting back to the basics, because you know we haven't really had too many of those sequences where it's just like classic sounds where they whip around the court, you know, seven, eight, nine times and end up getting a great look. Um, so I, I want to see that version of the Suns offense back because I think that just opens up everything else um, that comes with it. Not, you know, ISO ball, not hunting matchups to, to where you're just running yourself into the ground. Just, you know, move the ball and look like the, uh, you know, those, those classic Spurs teams that we kind of compared them to in the past. Richard. Yeah, and the Suns are the number one pick-and-roll team in the entire playoffs, just going back even to that first-round series. 
it feels like a lot of those pick and rolls from game six just disappeared. And maybe it was that trapping defense that the Mavs played, but I think ultimately the Mavs are pretty exploitable. Something that makes the Mavs defenses good this year, just regular season and playoffs has been teams don't really try and test them so much when they get start getting beat. They kind of, it's been weird in all the, what is it like 13, six, 12 games, whatever it is that the Mavs have played. They haven't been truly tested where they're like, Hey, we're going to keep trying our way. Like sure you're winning now, but we're not going to win the next one. No teams have really been doing that. And it's kind of weird. I'm interested to see if Phoenix does run a ton of pick and rolls because I think, especially in some of those lineups, when guys like Dwight Powell are out there for all 10 minutes, if they ran pick and rolls every single possession, and like kind of going back with what we said about hunting, can't do it every time, but with Dwight Powell, I really do think you can. Mm-hmm. If they got Aiden and either Booker or Chris Paul in that as the ball handler, you know, for Aiden, I think you're eating every single time. Yeah, there's a couple of comments in the in the chat. Jay, uh, big Mavs fan, I'll out him. Um, Booker gets caught, bought, caught ball watching, and they always hit a three. Absolutely. Uh, that's one thing. Uh, Booker, Devin, has has forgotten how to play defense in this series, I think, and he needs to rediscover his ability to play defense. He gets, he does get called ball, caught ball watching, and Monty Williams has even said all the players, uh, because Luka a, uh, runs down the entire shot clock dribbling and trying to drive into the paint and getting his shot, or B, Jalen Brunson does the same thing. Um, you end up kind of entranced watching that ball pounding and the and the moves and all that, trying to get the guy uh, for the guy to get open. And you and you and you end up kind of like when you're watching a um, an accident on the freeway, and you end up and your and your steering wheel kind of starts leading you toward where your eyes are going. That's what's happening to the Suns on defense. They're they're kind of leaning into the paint, and then Luca does the does the flip to the corner. And you're you're leaning the wrong way, so there's no way you can recover defensively. And Booker's getting caught doing that. Aiden's getting caught doing that. Everyone's getting caught doing that. Suns need to be better at staying home on their guy. When it really worked for the Suns was Game Five, staying home on their on their defender in the because then Luca had no one to pass it out to, and he really wanted to pass it out. Then in Game Six, he decided, no, what I'm just going to drive and score. That's fine. But they can't win the game with Luca just making two point layups every single time. The, the Mavs are not going to win the game that way. Um, so yes, people need to stop ball watching. And then the other thing is the Suns need to pick up their tempo. Let me let me throw another uh, stat at you. Just remember the stat me Dave thing. I don't want to play it again. But uh, the Suns were sixth in the NBA in shot attempts per game at ninety a game this year. In this series. They're only putting up 82 a game shots. That's because they're allowing the Mavericks to slow them down. Not only is obviously the Mavs are taking a lot of time because the Mavericks were always one of the slowest teams in the league. They always were, were, they were 27th of 30 with 85 attempts a game, shot attempts a game. They're even slower in the playoffs at 81. The Suns need to get some separation on those on those shot attempts, um, but they also just need to get both teams up to a higher shot number because obviously for every offensive possession, you have a defensive possession. So these numbers are going to, but the Mavericks are winning the pace uh, challenge and that's what's happening right now. The Suns need to up that pace and get more shots on goal earlier in the shot clock. And that is, you get that in transition, but you also get that in not spending 15 of the 24 seconds uh, matchup hunting. 
Just get into your offense and score quickly. And then if the Mavericks take another 24 seconds to do their own shot, that's fine. But then just go back out there, score. Eventually, it's going to it's gonna turn in your favor. Sun's got to get a better pace out there. Um, okay, what's another adjustment that you see uh, the Suns making, Brandon? Do you see any others? Yeah, so just going to the shot disparity, I think also the, the turnovers are a factor. Um, not getting a ton of offensive rebounds are also a factor in that. So um, those are things that you can fix just with effort, uh, crashing the glass, and then uh, just being smarter. Like we, there's a ton of Chris Paul like turnovers that were very uncharacteristic. And same with Mikel Bridges. He had one where he literally just – it looked like he threw the ball to a Mavericks player uh, at the top of the key. So just things that we're not used to seeing that have happened uh, on the road that I think are very uh, correctable. And uh, hopefully, I mean, if, if they don't bring uh, like a passion and desire to win, like and not die in a game seven, then they never will. Because in game six, Dallas did. And the Suns just did not play with a, a sense of urgency at all, I thought. So. Um, really looking forward to see how the energy is for for both sides. Uh, um, you know, game sevens, a, it's do or die time, so it's it's fun as a basketball fan. But when your team's involved, it's it's definitely not as fun. <laughs> yeah, master master fame here in our chat. Thank you so much for the donation. Really appreciate it. We'll we'll spread that money around the the group after YouTube takes their fifty percent cut. Thank you so much. Um, Mavs all season worked with a shorter shot. Yeah. Um, absolutely. I think what you mean is not to take any shots inside the first 16 seconds. I'm not really sure, but that does shorten the game and limits possessions for the opposing team. Absolutely. They've been trying to do that and they've been winning at at that attempt. Um, let's talk about, uh, gosh, darn it. I lost my, uh, my other thought I was going to make. Um, anyway, it'll come back to me. So Dallas has been very successful on playing the five out right with Maxi Kleba. Cause you were, as you were saying, Richard, uh, they're only playing, um, they're only playing their starting center, like 10 minutes a game, right? Dwight Powell. And they're realizing that it's not working well for them. And then they put in Maxi Kleba and the rest of the game goes well, that pulls the sun center out. Do you feel like the Suns need to abandon their center, their guaranteed center in every lineup? Or do you think the Suns just need to uh, make some other adjustments? Richard, what do you think? Yes and no. I think they could play to their strengths a little bit more uh, or play to the Mavericks defense weaknesses a little bit more in those lineups. Uh, yes, it is easier to get those two points like Biombo. Even he could he was getting is getting looks every single time. Aiden's getting looks. Aiden's missing bunnies, though. I think a lot of the story changes with if he was just slightly making a little bit more shots. But ultimately, I think, yeah, they should try a small ball five lineup. I think they could really pull it off, too, with that personnel. I mean, we've seen in. I don't remember the last time the Suns ran it, but I mean, any Jay Crowder team, they can run him at the five or Mikhail Bridges at the four. Um, there's a lot of options with that. I think, look, in a way, yes, you do have to feed those pick and rolls. And like, I, I think it kind of just depends on the matchup though. When Dwight Powell was in, you absolutely attack those twos because that's where the absolute weakest part of the Mavs defense is. When that's not the absolute weakest, when you have guys like, you know, Jalen Brunson's going against um, Mikhail Bridges on the perimeter. He can't close out against Mikhail. Something like that. Play to that strength a little bit more. Zona, what do you say? Yeah, no, definitely. And, and I think um, one other point I wanted to make, too, is just the, the rotation uh, for the Suns. It seems like it's just been kind of all over the place. So, like, a small ball five is something that, like, 
I, I agree they could use it in stretches, but is that something Monty's going to change? He's been pretty stubborn about certain parts and then other parts he's had no problem changing, like uh, plugging in Bismack and getting valuable minutes from him. Um, and then, you know, taking campaign out of the series, uh, you know, leaning on Shamit. So I'm, I'm really interested to see what he does with this rotation because there's, there's a lot of directions he can go. Um, but as we've seen with Monty in the past, he kind of sticks to his guns and, and, uh, you know, doesn't make anything, you know, too crazy as far as rotation adjustments from game to game. But um, I think we could definitely see some different looks from him, and I'm excited to see what he has up his sleeve. Well, I tell you what, man, this is it. This is a game seven. This is do or die. You lose this game, you're going to lose. You're, obviously, you're going home for the summer. Monty has already made some rotation changes. He um, put Bismack Biombo in ahead of JaVale McGee because JaVale McGee was getting eaten alive uh, defensively. And he uh, he benched campaign because campaign was just too. Oh, I know what I was going to talk about because we got a question in the chat. Campaign was too small and Luca was isolating on him and just eating him up as well. And he wasn't strong enough to even stop uh, Jalen Brunson from getting where where Jalen wanted to go. Uh, so campaign was a disaster defensively as well as offensively. He wasn't making any shots. There was a question in the chat. It's too far back for me to give you credit. Sorry about that, bud. But um, asking why hasn't Aaron Holiday played and why hasn't the media asked why hasn't Aaron Holiday played? Well, first of all, media knows uh, if you're stumping for a third or fourth stringer to play to turn around your season, you're probably stumping for the wrong thing. And B, Aaron Holiday is even smaller than campaign and Chris Paul. The problem playing the Mavs is that when you put a small guy out there, Luca and Jalen Brunson, as small as he is, he's still a tank, are going to eat that up. They're going to eat that up. You can't hide Aaron Holiday on defense, and he's not big enough to hold up in the post on either of those guys. That's why I think Monty's not even trying. Now, could Aaron Holiday make a difference? Sure, he could, but the, the numbers, the stats are going to tell you uh, uh, that he's not going to be able to hold up if campaign and Chris Paul can't really hold up in the post either. Um, but that's my take on why Aaron holiday hasn't seen the floor yet. Uh, Brandon, do you have, or Richard, do you have any uh, thoughts on whether the sun should be trying like an Aaron holiday and God forbid, please don't make me talk about Alfred Payton, big warthog. I'm not going to do it. Uh, Brandon, do you, uh, do you think the sun should be trying Aaron holiday? Um, I wouldn't mind it in like non-Luca minutes, but like you said, anytime he's on the court, he's going to expose him, and they're going to go right at that matchup. Um, you know, Holiday's a tough defender. You can apply ball pressure, but he can't, you know, guard those guys when he's when they're getting uh, in the paint, backing him down. So uh, maybe for a few minutes, just like as an energy like spark towards like the end of the first quarter, early second, or something like that. But he's not someone that's like you said, you know, Dave. He's not going to save your season. He's a, a third, fourth stringer. So um, I think it just comes down to the guys in the rotation just having to step up more than, you know, looking outside for help. Richard. Yeah, I think uh, I, I agree. The non-Luca minutes are when Holiday can come in. When the Mavs eventually pull out that Spencer Dinwiddie, Jalen Brunson lineup, I think that is actually a very tailor-made lineup for Aaron Holiday because he can hold his own against either. And those are the two primary ball handlers. It's the rest of the lineup is either shooters or a roller if Dwight Powell is in. And I think in that case, Aaron Holiday actually almost plays to his strengths on defense. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, yeah, I just worry about him being posted up. That's all. So that, that's my that's my assumption. I could be wrong and you guys could be right. 
and very well probably are. I'm not assuming I, I have any of these answers. I'm not a coach. Um, if, if Aaron Holiday shows up in the game, give yourself give you guys a, give yourselves a star there in the chat and also you two, and that's totally fine. And if he plays well, I will be thrilled. I am not rooting against him. But please, will you stop talking about who the Suns should have drafted two years ago that might be perfect in this situation, especially if you're talking about a um, a guy in Halliburton who is not a defensive player, especially in the post, especially with any kind of strength. But he would be good offensively <laughs> for sure. But, yeah, Desmond Bain. Yeah, okay, fine. But we can't be reconstructing our roster ahead of Game Seven of Round Two of the playoffs. Let's let's we have six months of offseason, hopefully only four months of offseason to talk about that. Um, and we can do that then, but not right now. Um, Dave, can you talk about the impact Frank Nilakina has had on CB3 and Book? Look, Frank Frank Nilakina, one of his strengths is he is six five, so he he does have the length, and they don't need him on offense because Luca and Jalen Brunson are such are such uh, the uh, score first ball handlers that you don't need him to be an offensive player. I have been disappointed that the Suns have not uh, figured out a way to make Nilakina look worse. Um, than he has. And I've also been disappointed that the Suns have not made Davis Bertans look worse uh, than he has in this series. But um, I can't speak to that. I think Frank has done a really good job of just getting into everyone's grill. And it's okay if he collects fouls because um, they don't need him uh, for for long minutes. Um, If you think that same impact could be done by an Aaron Holiday, maybe you're right. I just am not a big uh, I just don't think. Yeah, Frank has a 7-1 wingspan too, Jay. Uh, Right. Uh, So Anyway, that's uh, that's on that Smalls rotation change. As far as bigs uh, taking a big out of the lineup and going five Smalls to defend Dallas, it's also loser's poker if you play to the other team. Uh, your strength is playing Aiden at center. If you're if you're talking about non eight non Aiden minutes, like when he's got to rest, which he shouldn't rest too much, he should play better defense and stay on the court most of the game. That's my that's my preference. He plays a more spirited perimeter defense and stays out there for 45 minutes. But in the minutes he doesn't play, I would not be opposed to seeing a smaller uh, lineup if the Mavs are not playing Dwight Powell. We'll just see what what adjustments Monty makes because it is game seven. You don't win that game, you go home. But here's the problem is if you're down 10, you're not going to rely on a third stringer. So it's going to be end of first quarter where you're going to see any of these rotation changes or you're not going to see them at all. Because there's no way those guys are going to bring you back from a big deficit if that's why you're going to play them in the second half. Um, okay, so that's we talked about adjustments. What about like, uh, and we talked about scheme changes. We talked about player changes. Any other adjustments you think the Sun should make in a game seven? Um, Richard, do you have anything else we haven't talked about? No, I think that for the most part covers uh, my thoughts on it personally. Uh, the Aaron Holiday something is, is stuff I've, I've messaged some other Suns people about asking why it hasn't happened and things like that, and I think we did a good job covering that. Zona, anything we haven't touched yet? No, I think we've just about covered it um, from the Suns POV. Uh, a little campaign wouldn't hurt at this point, I think, if they need an energy oh, spark he too. He does hurt. He does. Every minute he's, he's has hurt. hurt. Look, he, he's. I was uh, Kirk Henderson of of Mavs Moneyball um, uh, messaged me the other day, and he said, first of all, a that was a terribly rough game last Sunday, and 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 was heavily in the Mavs' favor. And B, he also said that um, uh, Mavs fans 
love it when they see campaign come on the court because that's just been that's time to kill. So no, I don't want to see any more campaign in this series. <laughs> I, I think they're going to need him though. I think they will. Um, maybe not. You know, if they can get by the Mavs, um, just looking at the Golden State series, they're going to need him. So I, I don't know. I know it's been rough, but I'm, I'm still a campaign believer. I will, I will die on that hill. Oh, I'm a believer, just not in this series. <laughs> what about you, Richard? Do you see anything on campaign that you wish, as a Suns fan, you'd want to see? Look, I feel like guys like campaign are the guys where they can be terrible in, for six games uh, and then game seven explode. That's just very much the the Mavs. I don't want to say luck, but just that's who the Mavs are. That's their brand is guys that have been irrelevant come in and just cook. And I, I worry that something like that is going to happen. Yeah. So, okay. So let's, um, as a recap, my opinion, if I had two, if I had three things the Suns need to do on Sunday to win the game, reduce your turnovers, move more on offense and get, get better shots in your own offense and stop matchup hunting so much until the fourth quarter, if necessary. And, um, uh, and just have better spirit around the team. I think that if the Suns put out maximum effort, they'll have a lot better results. I don't think they put out anything close to maximum effort in game six. I just don't. It happens in the playoffs, though. Uh, the Bucks, man, Bucks fans today are pissed because how badly the Bucks played in game six at home Friday night uh, when they could have closed out their series. Uh, and they were at home, and they still played terribly. Um, obviously, you saw the Warriors barely eke out uh, their win over the Grizzlies without John Morant. And it took a flurry at the very end for the Warriors to make some separation. Uh, but that was a tough one uh, for them. And they weren't playing their best basketball most of the night. And then, of course, they lost by 50 the game before. So teams don't show up sometimes. That doesn't mean they won't show up the next game. We need the Suns to show up. If you had two things you want to see the Suns do over all these other things we talked about, Brandon, what do you want to see them do? Just play with confidence. I think that's the main thing. Uh, the energy, the confidence, <clears throat> really just embrace the crowd. Um, I think getting Booker involved early too, because I think they're going to need a, one of those vintage Booker, Booker games where uh, he takes over and just, you know, gets the crowd hyped. That's, yeah. I think we're going to need to see a, you know, 35 plus point game from him, just matching Luca's, uh, you know, bravado and just trying to steal the show in a, in a way and i know i know the suns are at their best when they play team ball but game sevens are a little bit different you need someone to have uh you need stars to be stars uh plain and simple we need chris paul to be chris paul um but i think booker is the one that uh we're gonna see step up he's lived up to every big moment in his career and uh, at this point and you know even in the finals dropping 40 points uh and losses he really like with the banged up hamstring he he gave it his all and i think we're gonna see uh, he's going to empty the clip against uh, the Mavs on Sunday, and we'll we'll see how it goes. I definitely see Booker emptying the clip, and I definitely see Luca emptying the clip. Uh, Richard, what what are two things you think the Suns need to do to win Game Seven? Yeah, first, just go with the trend of play to the extreme. How well the role players have been playing at home. Uh, Mikhail Bridges had a really good start to the series. And, and this is in terms of offense. And then since really the series moved, I'd say game four, really ever since then, um, he's just been, it's been tough. Obviously game five, he, everybody on the team had a really good game, but in game, I think it was four and six. He just, he really struggled, especially in game six. He wasn't able to find any groove offensively getting him going would do wonders. And then on top of that, 
I, I think this almost feeds into each other. Chris Paul in the first two games had 47 points. So rounding up, he had 24, five, six and six on just two, two and a half turnovers. So I'm not going to round that up to make it look even just to emphasize, but mm. that number is really strong. And then after that, like he had four turnovers in two games. So sorry, two turnovers per game. After that, he's been averaging four and a half turnovers to 6.3 assists. That assist to turnover ratio mm. is horribly uncharacteristically low for Chris Paul. So I think if you see that number rise, that means all the role players are playing better, especially Mikhail Bridges is playing better. And I think when Mikhail Bridges is on on offense, I think the Suns are the hardest team to beat. And that's why I still have them winning the finals. It's because of things like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, we, the Suns need everybody to step up for sure. I want to take a couple of minutes to talk about game sevens. So first of all, the Suns have never, this team, as a team, has never played in Game 7. Uh, Devin Booker and all those guys, they only, every series just won six games last year or so. But they have, they are 4-0 and in closeout, or 4-1 and now, in closeout games. Uh, so they they do with the ability, but they're 0-1 in elimination games. So it's a little bit tough. Um, it's, a, oh, okay, now we're getting some really fun things in the chat. Um, so it's a little bit tough to, uh, to anticipate how the Suns are going to react in a Game 7. Dallas has played in game sevens, but um, they haven't been successful so far. And while Eric, you're right, um, the uh, Suns are, are, excuse me, Luca is really good in game sevens. He's never won one. So it, you don't win a game with just one player. You just don't. Um, uh, Giannis had 40 and 20 on Friday night and they lost at home in game six. So uh, let's talk about otherwise game sevens. Chris Paul does have a lot of experience in game sevens. He's in fact been in eight of them from what I can count, unless my math is really bad. Um, he's been in eight. He has lost five of those as a player. And one, two, three of those game sevens were uh, refed by, that he lost, were refed by Scott Foster. So what are the chances that Scott Foster, who who now Chris Paul has a 14-game losing streak to, um, what what are the chances Scott Foster is going to ref Sunday? He was supposed to ref Friday night the Milwaukee game, but he uh, was reported as being out with non-COVID illness. Um, a lot of fans are thinking, oh yeah, he just called out six so that he could be available for Sunday's Suns game to screw over Chris Paul yet again. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen. They don't announce refs until the morning of the of game day. So we'll see. End <laughs> of Iverson. I'm jumping off a cliff if we get Foster tomorrow. Yeah, we'll see if we'll see what happens with Scott Foster. But the Suns need to get the refs out of their heads and uh, just worry about winning the game and assume every play is going to every call is going to go against them. Um, but he's definitely Chris Paul has a 14 game losing streak to Scott Foster and including um, three game sevens. So we'll see what happens. Let's move on to true-false. Um, Brandon, you've got the true-false question, so go ahead and fire away. Yeah, and I'll hit you with one thing, too, real quick. The, uh, the other player on the Suns that has uh, Game 7 experience is Jay Crowder. And uh, his first – he's only played in two of them, actually. He's one and one, and his one loss actually came as uh, a member of the Mavericks uh, in 2014 against the Spurs Game 7. Um, so – just thought that was an interesting stat. So not not a ton of Game 7 experience, but, uh, you know, CP and Crowder have been there. Um, yeah, we'll move on to the true or false now. Uh, make sure you, you 
drop a comment in the chat with uh, what you think is going to happen. Um, so this one, I'll kind of rephrase a little bit. Um, do you think it's uh, this series is considered a failure with Dallas pushing the Suns to seven games? Sorry, Dave. Okay, I like your original. The original way you wrote it was: yeah, Is the season a failure if that's the Suns obvious. lose seven, losing Game Seven? Um, I think every it's all a failure if the Suns lose Game Seven for sure because the Suns had higher expectations this year. A year ago, I was happy with whatever they got. This year, I'm not. So, no, I, I definitely think it's a failure if the Suns lose Game 7. I think the whole season was um, – look, it, ultimately it was a success story, but I think it's a failure on the bottom line if the Suns lose Game 7. Uh, Richard, what do you think? Yeah, uh, I don't think it's a failure to have gotten to the Game 7. Like, Game 7's happened. It's not the worst thing. But, yeah, if they lose, I mean – it's it's hard to sugarcoat that like you're you're playing at a at a window you're coming up on the window you're not there yet but with Chris Paul's age coming up like you you do have to maximize every day of his age like so I I do think you know getting this extra rest would have been nice into going to face Golden State but um, ultimately obviously the season would have been a failure they, it would be a failure if they lose tomorrow. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, you lose this series, it's, it's a failure. Um, but I will say, I saw someone uh, on Mavs Twitter say, tweet out something like, um, "This it's, it's a failure that the Suns have even let it go to seven. So that's kind of why I rephrased that question. And that I disagree with. I think if you win game seven, uh, everyone kind of forgets about it and everyone's happy again. That's just how it goes. Like the highs and lows of playoffs. It's really hard to win a playoff series. It's, that's something that uh, I think Suns fans were a little bit spoiled with last season in terms of how easy, I, mean, I don't want to say easy, it was a Clipper series, there were some moments, but uh, their their path just, you know, there wasn't really a ton of adversity. And this, you know, this playoff series, we've already seen two with, uh, you know, the Pelicans and Mavericks. So um, it's tough to win at this level. And we're, we're seeing that uh, teams aren't going to quit. So um, we'll yeah, um, I, I'll, I, I should answer the rephrased question. It's not mm -hmm. a failure that it went seven, not a failure that it went seven NBA champions have had seven game series. It's rare that yeah. NBA champions get through the playoffs without having gone six or seven games. Um, it just happens. I mean, the, the bucks last year, they only survived the nets with um, a half of, with a toe, right? Cause uh, um Kevin Durant's toe was on the line and a potential game winning shot that only tied the game and the Bucks eventually won. So I think uh, every team, it's okay for you to have a seven game series and you don't remember and it's recorded as a win. If you won the series, it doesn't matter if it went seven or five, you don't get extra credit. It's not a point system getting to the finals. Um, so I, I don't think that's a failure. I just think if they lose game seven, the season has been a failure for sure. Um, okay. What's your next one? All right, next one, uh, true or false, Chris Paul is hurt and he's playing through an injury. We'll start with uh, Richard on this one. Man, I, I feel like I'm the wrong person to start with, but I'd say false. I just He's been passive, which I don't know where it's coming from. I, I don't want to speculate on that, but I, I'd say false. Just I think everybody overall some plays through somewhat of an injury, so like I guess technically true. But I don't know what's making him play more passively over the last few games as a as a scorer, particularly. 
Yeah, I don't think we can speculate. I think looking at his history, it's likely he's dealing with something and will probably get some notification of surgery after the season's over. He's going to play through it. We haven't gotten the injury report quite yet uh, for tomorrow's game, but I'm assuming he's not on it because he's going to play through whatever it is, just like he did last year in the finals. Uh, we heard all the pre-finals injuries, but we didn't hear about the finals injuries. And and he uh, he limped to the uh, to the operating room after the after that series was over. So I wouldn't be surprised to hear he was dealing with something. But the thing is, Chris Paul has to be smart enough to be um, a positive, and Monty Williams has to be smart enough to make him a positive. Regardless, he can't be playing 40 minutes, turning the ball over seven times. He can't be committing, uh, I mean, committing the fouls. I think that's just because of the way Dallas is putting him in on defense. And it's Monty's job and the coaching staff's job to protect Chris Paul a little bit by switching less and having him less on Luka on just a simple switch that they're not even trying to fight through. Um, but on committing the turnovers and all that, I mean, you can, he needs to be smarter. Whether he's dealing with an injury or not, he's obviously out there on the floor and he should be able to play fine. So he probably is hurt. Everybody's hurt, though, on one level or another. Um, and he just needs to he just needs to be better. That's it. What do you think, Brandon? Yeah, I think, uh, as you guys mentioned, everyone's dealing with something in the playoffs. And I think there's that like his hand, there's definitely something still there uh, bothering him. But uh, that's that's also no excuse for how he's looked. And I think. Another thing that no one's really talking about is the lack of rest in the series. It's been every other day. Um, you know, they kind of got the short end of the stick. These are those other um, matchups got, um, I think it was like a two-day rest gap early in the series. So that's one thing that I think having this extra day for game seven could be huge for Paul, um, just to give him some a little bit of a breather. So uh, that's that's one thing, too. I think just fatigue. Like, he's he did just turn 37, so got to kind of remember that and – yeah, hopefully this this extra day of rest will serve him well. Absolutely. We can only hope that the extra day of rest is going to make him fresher. Um, he, he puts a million dollars a year into his body and, and with trainers and nutritionists and all that. Um, they obviously can't stop injuries from happening, but they can certainly help you recover better. So let's hope we get the, the freshest possible Chris Paul on Sunday. Uh, what's your next question? All right, true or false, Devin Booker will outscore Luka in Game 7. Start with Dave on this one. I really think Luka's going with for, going for 45 in this game. I don't think that necessarily impacts whether the Mavericks win. What impacts whether the Mavericks win is how many points does Brunson get? How many points does, um, um, I was going to say Tim Hardaway Jr., but I meant Dorian Finney-Smith. Who's, between Dorian Finney-Smith and Reggie Bullock, is either one of them going to make five plus threes? That could be a difference maker. Is is uh, Jalen Brunson going to wear down guys and, and get 27 points in addition to Luca's 45? Those are the questions. But uh, Luca's going to get 45. I don't think that Booker's going to get 45. I think when the Suns play well, Booker scores less in the second half because he doesn't need to as much. So my I'm going to anticipate that uh, Booker will score 30-plus but he will not outscore Luca. Richard. Yeah. And Booker outscored Doncic, I think by only in two games, but there's a real chance in a best of seven that, that it ends up being in three of the four, which is pretty much a toss up at that point. And I, I think Booker ultimately will, I think you're going to see a lot more of the off ball sets run and more better executed for Booker in this game than we saw in game six, for example. And I think things like that, plus maybe 
ISOing a little bit more uh, in the rhythm of the offense, like we've talked about. I think Booker's going to ultimately go for more points. I think you might see if, kind of going back to our last question, if Chris Paul is hurt, maybe he's the facilitator and they just let Booker go full-on scorer mode. So I would say Booker's an outscore Doncic. Zona. Yeah, it's, it's tough. I think uh, it could go either way, especially in this big of a game. But I think I just have a feeling Booker's going to go off. I think Luca will too, honestly. Um, I could see both of them going for 40-plus. But uh, I think Booker's just going to have one of those – you know, magical closeout games that we've seen him have in the past. Uh, I think it was like 46 against the Lakers last year. Um, so, you know, I, I think it's it's going to be one of those nights for Book, and he's going to feed off the crowd and embrace a moment. Uh, so just I'm, I'm really high on Booker. Like, I'm going to place a bet, too, to back it up uh, on DraftKings, our, our sponsor. Uh, but, promo code TBPN for new users. Get free bets. Yeah, I'm going to go with Booker on this one but it will be close. Okay. All right. Two to one with Booker outscoring Luca. What's your next one? So this is just a question. Uh, Which role player will need to step up the most for Phoenix to win? We'll start with Richard on this one. Yeah, it's, it's Mikhail Bridges. I've said it too many times this series. It's, it's absolutely him. The, the numbers and wins for him versus numbers and losses is, I mean, it's striking the difference. It's a, it's a range. It is a very wide range. And if Mikhail is still playing that defense he always plays, which even like in his worst defensive moments of the series, he's still been pretty positive. Um, and yeah, Brandon, you know, he just put it up. Role players are more consistent, more consistent at home. And I think the first player that feels that benefit is Mikhail Bridges. So that's my pick. You know, that's a really good pick. I'm going to assume uh, for the moment that um, DeAndre Ayton is not considered a role player in this context, but if he is, he's the guy who has to step up, I think, but not the way people want. The Suns are not going to win or lose by DeAndre Ayton doing ma- va- uh, vicious slam dunks versus layups. That's not going to decide the game. Two points is two points. What's going to decide the game is can DeAndre Ayton play defense well enough to not not give up open threes from the corner, um, not give up, um, you know, obviously Luka can do his step-back threes, whatever. He's going to do that against any player. But um, can can he make sure Luka doesn't drive into him and, and draw the foul? Uh, Luka has so many uh, tricks in his bag. Can can, But can Aiden hold his own wherever he is on defense better than he has shown in some of these games and as good as he has shown in other games? He's got to be good but I don't think um, it matters how many dunks he gets when I say he needs to step up. But if we're talking about non Aiton, non Paul, non Booker, then I definitely think that um, you've got to you've got to go with Mikel Bridges for sure. Cam Johnson, it'd be great if he has a good game, but he won't get enough shot attempts to make a huge difference. Um, you've 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 really got to um, you've really got to see Mikel Bridges have a really good game in this one. Um, so what what about you, Brandon? What do you think? Yeah, I think Mikel's a guy I would have picked too, but just, you know, to not be boring and, and copy that answer, I'll just go with Cam Johnson. I think uh, if he gets hot, we've seen in the past how he could swing games. And, and I think the, the bench really needs a, a boost right now. So uh, if Cam Johnson has a, you know, pre-Julius Randle injury, uh, you know, Knicks game, Cam Johnson type game, then I think the, the Suns' chances of winning are, are very high. So um, he's the one I'm looking at. And I think, Mikel and Cam, the twins, just they just got to step up and, and play how they do, at, like we've seen them in the past. Um, the high energy at home, 
and confidence from three. That's that's the key to this game. Okay, your last question. All right, and now question number five: Which role player stepping up for Dallas would be a death sentence for Phoenix? We'll start with Dave on this one. Man, I tell you what, uh, it seems like there's always one, in the in the three Dallas wins. There's been a role player who really, really stepped up, right? You've got Dorian Finney-Smith who made eight of 12 threes last Sunday. Eight of 12 threes last Sunday. Um, then you've got Spencer Dinwiddie who made five of seven in game six. I don't even know who to pick. All I'm going to say is if you've got a role player like those guys who make five plus threes or two of them who add up to six or eight or 10 plus threes together – on 75% shooting, that's going to really hurt the Suns. Uh, the only caveat I'll have to that is that in game one, they did get almost 23s, and Luka did get 40, uh, 35 points, I think, in game one. But then game two, he had 45 points. The Mavs shot well from three and from Luka and still lost games one and two because the Suns played well. So as far as a death knell for the Suns, I'm not really – I think the Suns are their own death knell. If they play like crap, they'll lose. If they play well they'll win. But role players stepping up, it kills me to watch these guys make six threes, um, six plus threes when they're not really great three-point shooters otherwise. And yes, they're making 35, 38% of their threes is pretty good, but it's not great when you're suddenly making 75%. That's my worry. Um, but again, I think just the sun's got to play well to overcome anything. Richard. Yeah, I've been I've been thinking about this for a while. I don't know, like I, I really don't know who I should select here because they all almost have one commonality, which is whoever hits the most threes. Because a lot of this team is potent. You look at Davis Bertans, you look at Maxi Kleba, mm -hmm. Tori and Finney Smith didn't do anything the last game, and they still won big. So part of me wonders, like I don't know, if Dorian goes off, something like that. But ultimately, I think it's none of those guys. I think it's. A player they traded for, uh, for Christoph Porzingis, and I think it's Spencer Dinwiddie. If they have Luca going, if they have Jalen Brunson somehow gets going, I don't count him as the role player in here because he's probably right. the second best player. Um, and, and on other teams, he might be a role player, but um, I, I'm going Spencer Dinwiddie. We saw him hit a couple threes and get his confidence going early in the game, in game six. And for the most part, since he dunked on Rudy Gobert in the last series, including the rest of the series in Utah, he hasn't been very good. If he can get going both Finishing at the rim, he smoked a lot of layups. If he could finish at the rim and then also be able to hit some threes and just off the dribble jump shots as a whole, I think Phoenix might be in trouble. But I don't know the likelihood of that happening. I, th I think it's uh, that's the Mavs' top priority is getting all three guards going. I think they're one of the toughest teams to beat when that happens. Yeah. All right, I'm going to throw out, I think, uh, Brandon Katz here. Really quick, sorry, Zona. Uh, Brandon Katz put out, Shaman has played well in a limited role. My sneaky role player, if he makes three threes, this game is the Suns for sure, just because the context in which he shoots them. Um, so that's, that is, that's an interesting um, backdoor kind of thing. Okay, Brandon. Yeah, I know. Shaman's look good. Uh, and he's, he's aggressive, playing with confidence, you know, attacking the rim, which – you know, it still catches me by surprise, like when he tries to put people on posters. Um, but, but yeah, I think uh, my pick for the Mavs, I'm going to go, I agree with Richard that Dinwiddie is a guy that, you know, they haven't really got a lot out of this series. So if you do get something out of him, he gets hot and he could really swing a game in their favor. So he, he's a guy that I'm most nervous about just because we've already seen, uh, you know, Maxi Kleba and, 
Reggie Bullock and uh, Dorian Finney-Smith all get hot from three. And, and, you know, we are where we are. But um, if Dinwiddie gets hot, then that I think really changes the whole dynamic of how, you know, Luca and Brunson are, are going offensively too. And just adding another option uh, to worry about on the perimeter uh, could be a pain for the Suns. But, but yeah, I think I also agree with what Dave said that, you know, a lot of it is their own doing sometimes with how they're closing out on threes and, and defending those role players. So um, it's kind of pick your poison. The Mavs have a lot of role players that are streaky and can get hot at any moment. So uh, that's kind of the, the scary part of them in this series. Yeah. A, a commenter in the chat um, is Shaman on Luca is a laugher. Yeah. Look, the reason I said Shamit would be a sneaky if he made three threes, the Suns are, are winning um, is because, he'll only get the opportunity to to take enough threes to make them if the Suns are in the lead because uh, Monty's not going to trust Shamit if he's getting eaten up on defense and missing his shots early. Uh, you're going to see 45 minutes of Devin Booker. You're going to see probably too many minutes of Chris Paul. You're going to see 40, 45 minutes of DeAndre. And this is like the finals for them. This is win or go home. So you're going to see the best Suns best player. Um, Mikel Bridges may not sit at all. He'll probably play all 48 minutes. They laughed about him playing 47 and a half minutes the other day. And Monty was like, he's probably pissed that I took him out for half a minute. Um, so I, I would expect Mikel Bridges won't sit down all game. And I, I think that role players are going to have a tough time stepping up simply because the starters are going to be getting all the time. And on Dallas's side, you've got Bullock and uh, DFS and Kleba. They'll, I mean, Bullock and DFS, what, 45 minutes a piece at least. Luca, 45 minutes apiece. You're going to have a hard time seeing weird role players getting tons of shots just because of the way this game is going to go. Uh, but I, I do think that Bridges is the key. If he has a good offensive game, as Richard says, um, the Suns have this thing. If he doesn't, if he disappears, then it's going to be a toss-up. Okay, so uh, predictions. That's it. Let's wrap this thing up and make some predictions. Um and let's get down even to the difference in the final score because guessing final scores is is fun. But you can do either way. You can tell me what you think the final score will be, or you can just tell me how much one one team or the other wins by. Richard, go for it. Oh, man. Putting me first. This hurts. Um, I'm going to say 115-108 Suns. 115-108 Suns. Okay. So by seven. All right. Brandon? Uh, that's, that's a good pick. That's about the range I have it at. I think uh, I'll go 117 to 106 Suns win. All right. We got some guesses in the chat. Eric Linares says Suns win by eight. Um, we've got Pork Chop Express Suns win by 115 to 98 score. Um We've got another person, Big Warthog, guessing a 29-point Suns win, which is just in line with the rest of the series, so I don't think that's too out of bounds. Uh, the home team has been winning by a lot. You've got um, Ted Lubin, I keep calling him, even though it's written backwards. Suns win 116-102. Um, Suns by six, Sawbucks. Suns by seven, Albert. Um, and, man, this, these guys are incessant um let's see uh master fame mavs of course you've got some dallas fans in our chat love love to see the dallas fans in the chat paul george fans suns 128 maverick mavs 86 i don't know that this is going to be a blowout i think i think this is going to be the closest game of the series 
That's my guess. My guess is that this is the closest game in the series. And, uh, but I do think the Suns are going to win this thing. My prediction is going to be uh, Suns by 10, but it's going to be within five in the in clutch time. The first game of the series that'll be have clutch time in it. So <laughs> naked, big word hug, naked HD wins by 69. Yep. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. So then who do you think? Uh, well, first, now we know the winner of this game is going to play the Warriors starting on Wednesday. I'd like to hear what you guys think um, of the other side on the East. Who wins Game Seven on Sunday of Bucks Celtics? Richard, who's gonna who's gonna make the conference finals in the East? You know, I had a Bucks Suns rematch, so like I want to stick to my guns. But at the same time, if Robert Williams comes back. I don't know. The Celtics are tough, man. They, I don't know how they're how they force this to seven without Robert Williams. Like they're a very good team, and obviously he's not like the heart and soul, but he is a really important player to them. And if he's back, I, I don't know. This one's a really, really tough one for me. But for the sake of consistency, I'll go with the Bucks. I, I'm not doubting Giannis in a game seven. All right, Brandon, what do you think? Yeah, that's that, that's where I'm torn. Is the whole Giannis thing like? I don't want to bet against him in a game seven, um, but this, you know, the Celtics I think are deeper uh, with Middleton out and just have a little more firepower and um, they're going to be at home. So I think I'm going to have to go with Celtics, but um, at the same time, like if Giannis just goes nuts and gets, you know, goes for 50 and, you know, Drew Holiday does what we've seen him do, then I could see a world where, you know, the Bucks come out, go out and beat Boston for the third time in TD Garden in one series. But uh, I'm going to go Celtics and a close one. All right. Albert picks Boston. Uh, Michael uh, Lockhart picks the Bucks. Uh, Ted Lubin, Bucks miss Middleton. Celtics win. Middleton has been their late game shot maker uh, for the last several years. Drew has stepped up a, at least in that game five for sure, uh, making big shots at the end. And of course, Drew Holiday had the, the big steals, the two big steals at the end that uh, gave uh, Suns fans nightmares because they reminded them of uh, game six against the Suns too soon. Uh, when too Drew soon. had that. Too soon. Yeah, sorry. It's always going to be too soon. Ten years from now is going to be too soon. Um, I'm going to guess I'm going to guess the Bucks just because what we've seen from the Bucks closing out games, if it's close for sure. The Celtics could win in a blowout, but I think it's more likely going to be Bucks over that. Now, um, now you've got Heat have made the conference finals. And um, let's assume your pick wins game seven tomorrow. Who comes out of the East? Richard, who makes the finals out of the East? I think it's Milwaukee. I think Miami has not played a healthy team yet. So um, if people are ripping on the Suns last year for not having to play a healthy team to get to the finals, you've got Miami on the other side. So we'll see what happens in the conference finals for them. Um, what do you think, Brandon? Um, I think if Milwaukee advances, I think they'll get by the Heat. But since I picked Celtics, I think the Heat w- would beat the Celtics. So I'm going to go with the Heat. Uh, that was my actually my prediction beginning of the season. I have it bookmarked at uh, Suns versus Heat in the finals. So hoping that I can uh, bring that up and retweet it once once it's actually a reality. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going Suns Heat finals. Sticking my guns there. So you're still alive. So that's good. Um, I. I got to pick the Bucks coming out. I think they they just know how to win those games, uh, the the games that they need to win. Miami, 
look, Miami is a great looking young team, but they can look bad at, and they're not all young either, but um, they can look bad and they can look good depending on uh, the game. And, and so they're, they're fairly inconsistent, although they did get the number one seed in the East. Um, I, I just don't see Miami coming out of it against the Bucks team. If it's against the Celtics, it's much more of a toss up. But I'm, but I already picked the Bucks to make it to that uh, to that round. So I, I'm going to say the Bucks make it to the finals again. Um, Albert Golden State Warriors hasn't played a healthy team either. That's correct. Uh, they haven't. So we'll see what happens in the Western Conference Finals because both the Mavs and the Suns are as healthy as they're going to get uh, for this next round. Okay, so that is our predictions. Do you have any other final comments, Zona? And then also tell us where we can find you around the web. Booker scoring 47 on Sunday, and the Suns are winning. Sorry, Richard. Just got to get that out there. But, yeah, you could find me uh, at Zona Hoops underscore on Twitter. Uh, appreciate Mavs draft, a.k.a. Suns draft, coming on, even though he had that that take earlier. He's, he's redeemed himself with the, the shirt, so – uh, That's right. We're all good over here. <laughs> Richard, what's your what's your final comments and where can we find you? <laughs> hey, I didn't know that uh, just simply wearing a, a Phoenix shirt would do it. I will I will buy like tons of team shirts now and if I can just say stupid stuff all day. No, I, I appreciate y'all having me. I, I, uh, I'll just, uh, first of all, Booker one-upping Tatum from yesterday, getting one more than Tatum got uh, would be pretty impressive. But I, I also have the Suns. I mean, I, look, I want the Mavs to win really badly. Like, I'm not going to lie. It'd, it'd be really cool to go from first round exit can year over year. And I'm still salty about 2014 when they, they should have beat the Spurs, but uh, the Spurs won in seven and won the title, which uh, going back to an earlier question, going to seven doesn't hurt. But I just, I don't have the confidence in the Mavs. Um, I think the Suns also win. I think Booker's going to have a big game. And I, I honestly kind of see the trend going a little bit the same way the whole series has gone in terms of no clutch games. And uh, we'll see. But ultimately, before I, I plug myself, um, yeah, I apologize for that that tweet the other night. I definitely was riding the emotional high. And uh, I was like, yeah, nobody will see it. It's fine to air it out. And then I just went to bed. <laughs> and in hindsight, if I really Tell us again what the tweet out, was, Richard, for it, those it was, who don't follow you. It was, yeah, it was a stupid tweet. Um, and in hindsight, I also realized my take was wrong beyond being dumb. Um, but <laughs> I said Booker was atrocious on defense and he's been the biggest flopper in the series. And like, yeah, it's definitely the emotional. It was I just do an think, emotional reaction. Like yeah, all of us of haven't done a tweet like that. Against yeah, and, and like I, I I don't think it's the worst thing I've done. Like, look, if I, I regret what I said, it's not like I said anything like, you know, harmful to society or anything. But like <laughs> I, I, I definitely have had better takes and better tweets in my life. But, you know, for a lot of people who have been roasting me saying like, you know, you don't know the sun's anything like that. I did. I'm still the only person in Dallas that defends the Aiden pick. That's why I'm still wearing a DeAndre Aiden pick, uh, excuse me, shirt. So like years of years of work have gone completely just exactly. eroded. Yeah. Now Richard's right. been a huge Sun supporter for years. So one tweet doesn't change that. Like so people just get too emotional on. I think it was just <laughs> more of a shock it. since you're rebranded as Suns draft right. that, that you tweeted that. So it wasn't even that bad of a tweet. I just, just thought it was funny. Yeah, appreciate it. And like I would never like I don't plan on like cooking Suns fans or whatever if uh, if the Mavs win. Like, yeah, I, I, I muted like all my notifications over the last few months. So, like, I don't see most stuff to actually do that. I don't do the petty wars that much unless you're like absolutely like attacking me personally. Uh, so, I won't do that. But ultimately, if you want to roast me still, go ahead at Mavs Draft on Twitter. 
Uh, I do NBA draft work. It's, uh, that's honestly what I feel like I do more of than, than NBA at this point. Um, I just went out to an NBA draft workout yesterday. Uh, really fun stuff. So got insight on a lot of that. So go ahead and uh, if, if you think I, if it was a one-time mistake, if I can prove you right, <laughs> give me a follow on there. All right. Definitely. Uh, definitely give him a follow. He's great on draft takes. Um, okay. So my hot take is that the footprint center is going to be louder than it's been since the opening game of the Lakers series last year. And I, and I just have a personal memory of how crazy loud that was because there was some apprehension. There was some worry that the Suns might not be able to beat the Lakers even in the first round because it was their first, the Suns' first um, appearance in the playoffs. The Lakers had just won the championship the year before. All that. Um, the, the Suns fans are going to come in wanting to blow the roof off the stadium tomorrow in Footprint Center. And I want to hear it. I'll be there. I want to hear you guys help help propel the Suns to a big Game 7 win. That's my hot take is that the uh, that the fans are going to be so loud we're not even going to be able to hear whistles um, even during boring parts of the game. you got to keep up the noise. Uh, the Suns really do live off that. Mikel Bridges, DeAndre Ayton, those young guys who are still willing to admit the fans have an impact on the game. Even Devin Booker has admitted that the louder the fans are, the more excited the fans are, the more hype they get. And so you need to do that. That helps role players step up. So I'm like I said, I predict the Suns are going to win tomorrow. I don't know who's going to have the biggest scoring game. It doesn't really matter. What matters is who wins, and I think the Suns win. Um, you can find me around the web. My name is Dave King. I'm at Dave King NBA on the Twits. I am on brightsideofthesun.com as the as the editor there and a frequent writer, and I'll be doing the preview for tomorrow's game. Um, and you can find me all over. And of course, this this podcast. If the Suns are lucky enough, good enough to make it to the next round, I'm going to corral Zona for a midweek, and we're going to preview the next round of the playoffs. But until then, I hope you guys enjoy Game Seven. I hope you get some sleep tonight. Being all worried about it, I hope the Suns get some sleep tonight, and we have a great game tomorrow. Thank you all for joining in the chat today. Thank you, Mavs fans, for joining us in the chat as well. You guys have been almost entirely respectful. And you may have gotten some free nude pics because of all these uh, all these weird bot accounts getting in here. So it was a big win overall, apparently. Y'all have a great day.